Today we're talking with Dion Roberts, a fellow yoga teacher, and we're going to do a quick little interview. My first question, what led you to becoming a yoga teacher? Oh, wow. I want to like go from the middle or the end but I guess there's always a backstory isn't there's there? always a backstory that's juicy <laughs> you want that yeah you want that I want the juicy backstory Got the backstory oh oh puns puns upon puns <laughs> I damaged my spine in three places oh my goodness I hurt my back. That's my backstory. Oh, that's literally your backstory. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how'd that happen? Well, I was um I was doing my degree, my BA. Uh-huh. And um it was in performing arts. So I was at a contemporary dance school. Mm. Okay. And I was doing what's called an adage so I was standing on my left leg mm -hmm. and I brought my leg my right leg up I took it out to the front and I took it out to the side in second and I took it all the back just say my arms were in second and my nose went all the way down to touch my toes while my leg at the back of me went up and then my spine just cracked oh and there was three there was three Jemby players to the right of me. Uh-huh. Right. Drum, right? It's one of the loudest natural so instruments you can get. Yeah, it vibrates, doesn't it? It vibrates and vibrates and vibrates. Uh -huh. So the dance school was on a high was on a, a main road. So we could always hear the Jemby players in that, you know, where the location uh -huh. of the school was. Uh -huh. And they all three of them just stopped. They just stopped playing because it, loud, it was louder than them. Oh my good, oh my goodness, oh no! So you went. So basically, you probably couldn't walk for a few days. I'm guessing after that. Um, interesting enough, as a dancer, you learn to you learn to push through it. As an athlete, you learn to yeah. keep going. Yes, that yeah. No. We go through that a lot in the middle. We went, I was, I was in the military and that's kind of part of the conditioning is just keep pushing. And I was living with somebody that was, um, that was ex forces. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day he, uh, he said something about the training being so similar. Yes. In fact, he actually said it was worse. Yes. Like, you're not even saving lives. What are you girls doing? Right. Stop. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, I just had this conversation with um, my uh, my cousin's daughter. She's uh, She hurt her knee running track. And she said that it was hurting her before she stopped. But she had to finish. And she had to finish. And she's, a, she's in junior high school. She's very competitive, very athletic, beautiful girl. And I told her, I said, that's the only knee you're getting. <laughs> like, you're not getting, you know, you're very young. You need those knees and you need to listen to your body. But from a very young age, that athletic conditioning starts really young. It's just like, just push through it because I've got to finish. And, 
it's a mentality. And unfortunately, we don't realize how toxic it is until we hurt ourselves later on down the line. Okay, so so you had the back injury. And that happened shortly before, or a long time before the yoga what led what so what other events kind of led you towards the yoga teacher world i know i kind of did a few classes before Mm -hmm. i before or during training as a dancer and um they didn't really call to me i didn't really Mm -hmm. i didn't kind of go yeah this is this yoga is for me i actually felt it was actually quite boring okay okay oh my god snooze fest (laughs) how boring is this shit and you want to get out yeah 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 (laughs) like this going what okay next one do the next one and i tried about three times okay at school as well we had somebody come in we tried Mm -hmm. at school still like (sighs) okay and that happened, my back happened. And um, in the second year of wellness, mm-hmm. you know, getting better, trying to learn how to rewalk and all of that and get the pain down. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the gentlemen who I was living with said, my friend has just come back from Canada and she's teaching this, this new style of yoga called Hashtanga. I think you should go. Hashtanga? Yeah, yeah, we pronounce it two ways. Oh, ash, ashtanga. Ashtanga, ashtanga. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was. I thought you were combining hatha, hatha, and ashtanga. So I was like, "There's a, there's a new style." <laughs> Where? Tell me. I want to hear all about it. But okay, ashtanga. Okay. Ashtanga. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, Very old style, actually, not new. Old. <laughs> no, but then it was. It was. It was um, new to you guys, though. No, this was back in 1990. Oh, yeah, new to the Western world. Yes, that's what I meant. New to the West, not new to yoga yeah, itself. Exactly, okay. Exactly. Okay. This was, in, this was in 97. Oh, wow. Okay. And, okay. Um, so I, I went along. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. That's not boring at all. Ashtanga. Yeah, exactly. It's not, not boring at all. <laughs> I was disabled. Yeah. And the you got to like, you know, jump through your feet and all of that. And, and I'm like. Yes. So, so she got me a chair and uh-huh. we put the back of the chair to one side of the yoga mat. And then a second back of the chair to the other side of the yoga mat. So I would hold on to the chairs and then go down onto the floor. Mm-hmm. down onto my knees mm-hmm. then on my belly then mm-hmm. back up to my knees then holding the chairs like walking sticks to get okay. back up oh wow because I was, you know I was disabled yeah and that's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of vinyasas in ashtanga that's who I what I was traditionally trained in was ashtanga yeah, for a for b yeah so I would do I would do the first class I just did one yeah and, tradi- and then I did one. Okay. And then as I got better, I could do one of A and mm-hmm. one of B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean. Uh-huh. And, then, and then I started to build upon that. But it was what I needed because mm-hmm. my mind could not could not be, my mind felt that Hatha yoga was too 
too too boring too sleepy yes so being that high energy being that being that dancer uh-huh. I needed something that was kind of beyond where I was at yes so, so that I can work towards mm-hmm. getting to that direction get into that line mm-hmm. so so my mind that young mind at the time that was like that needed that and and it worked wow. if it hadn't been that that high energy if it hadn't have been that advanced mm-hmm. I just found it boring and I wouldn't have gone back okay so that sent me on that sent me on a journey of I like this I like I, this what is I'm, this yeah I'm going back and I went yes. back the following week and the following week and I kept going back and beautiful yeah and you're like I've got to, I've got to dive deeper this is this needs to go to teacher training no, I just practiced. I just practiced. Oh, okay. Practiced. Okay. And um, when I went traveling mm-hmm. and um, while I was traveling, this was around Southeast Asia. Okay. People would ask me to teach them. Okay. And I would teach her. So I was like, sorry, this is what I can do. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can copy me. We can work out together. Okay. But I'm, I'm not a teacher. Okay. And then I went to a... I went to a monastery mm-hmm. that held international meditation retreats in mm-hmm. the South Island. Okay. And and they had what's called karma yoga. Oh, okay. Ed- yeah, we did that at the ashram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's in the Bhagavad Gita, so it's really important. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to sign up for a job and you've got to give them yes. a community and yes. you know, serve in that way. Yes. I wrote down, so the list of jobs had yoga teacher on there. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote my name in the box and then I put an arrow to a comment saying, only if somebody else joins me, I can't do it on my own. Because mm-hmm. my mind's going, I'm not a teacher. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So um, the next morning, um, somebody else signed up. The next morning, um, they gave us permission to, to talk while you teach because it was a silent 11 days, 10 day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah you two go teach the, the women yoga and it was 70 74 women was my first class wow okay wow okay <laughs> so you so you have the you have the old school uh style basically of just like just diving in there and knowing it and just being a part of it and just not being afraid to teach and just teach yeah because i when I left the monastery, I went back to where we were kind of living at the time. Mm-hmm. And I encouraged people to come and see this monastery with me. Uh-huh. So when I went back the second time, I taught again, completely on my own. And it was 60 something women. Uh-huh. And then I came back to the UK and um, I got off the plane. And within four days, I got a job teaching yoga. I said to the studio, do you want me to teach yoga? Okay. Said, yeah. So I contacted insurance companies mm-hmm. and I said, I'm not trained, but I need insurance to teach this thing that I'm not trained in. Mm-hmm. you me? And they said, well, you're an ex-dancer. So, so yeah, as long as you promise to get the qualification as you're teaching. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then you, so then you got, you got certified eventually when like yoga lines came out because yoga lines is just is 
fairly recent, but you've been in the game for a while now. I mean, how, how long have you been practicing for? You said 97. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, I do worry about my qualification because of all these new bodies. I do. I yeah, do. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Yoga Alliance is new. This is fairly new compared. I don't think it's been around since the 90s. I think that's, I think Yoga Alliance is much newer than that. Um, but I yeah, so. I contact them before my teacher dies. So my <laughs> teacher is, well, my teacher is Brian Cooper, which is one of the pioneers mm-hmm. of, of Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. And he was uh, one of them. So he he probably learned under Patabi Joyce, maybe? He was one of the, the Patabi Joyce's disciples or something like that. Because he, Patabi Joyce is kind of one of the ones known for bringing Ashtanga from India to the States. But I think there's one or two other ones who also um, were Ashtanga. Yeah. There was four men and one, one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and usually they came from like the umbrella of uh, Patabi Joyce back in like I think the '60s or something like that. Yeah, and most of them were Iyengar teachers before Iyengar. Yeah, because Brian Brian was. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so that leads me to another question. How long? So that kind of answered that one. Um, since '97, where did you? And you said you went to the monastery for training. And then what styles or areas of yoga are you drawn to the most, not just asana, but raja yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, karma yoga? Like, what is your favorite outside of asana? What's your favorite part? Kind of like a mashup of them all, really. I mean, they all are beautiful. Yeah. Usually we kind of naturally gravitate towards just like one is just comes easy. Like we just, it just snaps and we don't even need to think about it oh karma yoga easy I already do that but it changes doesn't it it does evolve it does evolve down the line Mm -hmm. the body body doesn't want that and the body doesn't need that and the body Mm -hmm. doesn't like that or the body can't do that Mm -hmm. and we age especially as women our bodies change absolutely and therefore I've I've gone through and practiced many many other styles since learning Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hatha, and then I went a bit more deeper into into vinyasa flow deeper into Iyengar mm-hmm. uh, started rebranding myself as candlelit yoga mm-hmm. and then and then it just became um yoga for health is what I rebranded myself as mm-hmm. um, it was yoga for health um my my soul style mm-hmm. and then now um 20 27 years later it's um, yoga nidra oh, okay you like yoga nidra okay that's what i teach now i love i we were taught a little bit of yoga nidra at the shivananda ashram during shavasana they have a very specific way of getting people to relax in shavasana without falling asleep and they use yoga nidra they use yeah. a, a yoga nidra they don't advertise hey this is yoga nidra they just say just do this <laughs> you know but it's it's beautiful it it helps a lot i know there's a lot of people who are working on sleep management I've got a good friend of mine susie who's also trained in ashtanga who focuses on sleep management and it's it's a beautiful thing we don't put enough emphasis on the importance of a proper rest 
Okay, so have you experienced any changes that fellow teachers have made to yoga that you don't particularly agree with and why? Or basically how the how the West has evolved yoga into like an industry or for example, the focus on expensive yoga clothes, right? Yeah. Changes to the yoga world that the West has made can you sort of describe any of those changes that you that you've seen that have happened over time that you think are detrimental to the practice yeah i think it's kind of losing its 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 origin um, whatever the origin is because there is a huge debate between whether whether yoga actually did originate from india or whether it actually originated in egypt so oh, okay. I've heard I've heard that I've heard that argument a couple of times about the chakras and because there's a lot of striking similarities between the hieroglyphics on mm-hmm. the walls, mm-hmm. the lifestyles in which we know Egyptians lived at, in that time. Mm-hmm. In reference to they they lived very closely down onto the floor onto mm-hmm. the ground and how they how they how they what their what the musculoskeletal system was like to mm-hmm. be able to exist that low down onto the floor, mm-hmm. and, um, and and the poses that they did to to document their their writing and communication, and also that which they viewed to, to that which they viewed as being high, that which they that the the postures they viewed to 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 praise as being you know high. So, okay. So there is this. Um, so that. De- so there is that debate going on. And mm-hmm. um, so whether, but just just looking at what what's happening now in the industry, the money making industry, mm. and um, kind of like the career aspect as well of of becoming a yoga teacher. Mm. Because that's become over oversaturated as well. And then the treatment of, of yoga teachers in it, right, in reference to the, the devaluing yes. of, of the, the 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 training that we do and the ongoing training that we do and it's mm-hmm. a lifestyle and it's ongoing. Yes. And we are, you know, constantly searching for truth and constantly bettering ourselves. And yet still the the average wage of a yoga teacher goes nowhere near um, um livable it's not even livable yeah it's not even livable not in the west and yet still um you know what we do and our knowledge um, Mm -hmm. of of the human body and the knowledge of the mind doesn't Mm -hmm. even you know what we get financially as a reward doesn't even match Mm -hmm. knowledge and Mm -hmm. and what we give um via our practice and heart Mm -hmm. so so many aspects i guess that i'm that I, I feel passionate about in reference to what it looks like now. And mm-hmm. you and I ourselves have we've met by me looking for yoga teachers to have a dis a, um, a regular discussion on Clubhouse mm-hmm. with the fashion industry and the yoga wear. Yes. And how has sexualized um, the clothing for yoga has 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 become. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think back to its roots, you know, it's it's 
there was no tight-fitting clothing absolutely yeah I mean in the ashram we're not even allowed to wear yoga pants you have to wear harem pants and you have to wear a t-shirt and anytime you do any sort of inversion everyone needs to tuck in their shirt into their clothes and you're not allowed to wear any form-fitting anything and they will say something to people who come into the ashram and say, you need to go change. This is, this is, it's very strict at the Shivananda ashrams. And I appreciated it because that modesty helped us all focus on the class. For one, you know, that men aren't having to stare at a woman sexually. And for two, a woman doesn't have to feel uncomfortable in her skin. So it's not about oh, covering up and it's not about like she's oppressed. It's more along the lines of comfort. We're trying to create comfort for everybody with a little, just a little bit of modesty. I know there's some, some brands like um, I think Lululemon does make one pair of harem pants, but they're smaller in size. They're, they're still form-fitting. They don't have anything for plus size bodies, um, and its majority of it is geared towards uh, towards women as well. And so I agree that the over sexualizing of of the yoga fashion industry is very flawed, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's turned into that. But we are trying to discuss that, and we're bringing that up in that that clubhouse meeting. So if anybody who's watching this interview um, wants to join the clubhouse meeting, it's May 30th? May 30th. 2021, um, May 30th, 2021 at? Um, 2 p.m. EST, 2 p. and 11 a.m. PST. 11 a.m., yes. So that um, come join that discussion because we're really excited about talking about that within the yoga community. It's a very, um, very, very important issue that we don't, we don't, we're not putting enough emphasis on, but we're the consumers. So we create the demand, right? So we have the power. We have to take that power back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not just for one body shape. Right. Exactly. Um, and then this one's this one um, kind of falls on what we're talking about. Have you noticed any cultural appropriation? Well, that in itself, isn't it? There's yeah. the, fashion, the clothing. Yep. It takes yoga out from being the practice and more about the person. Yes. Um, as we said, it's, a, it's sexualizing it. Yes. Yes, there's also, um, I brought this up in, in another yoga teacher interview is a lot of people will take the, you know, the deities and they will turn them into room decor. They're not really, you know, that is a, a version. If, if people did that um, to like say a cross, mm-hmm. right? Or Jesus on the cross, it would be, oh my gosh, blasphemy, like, right? But we, but it's okay for us to do it with other religions and other cultures. No, if you're going to have this, you need to understand its origin, what it is, why it's there, what it means to us and why it's important to yoga or why it's important to the person who has the item, right? Um, We some cultures, it's also... um asked to not to not place them on a on as a as a a tattoo 
on Chewbacca. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. That's the first time I've heard that, but I can, I can see that because there's a lot of cultures who don't agree with tattoos at all. Yeah. Right. Who say no tattoos. And here I, I'm covered in tattoos, so I can't really like, yeah. can't relate to that. But at the same time, like I can appreciate what they're saying with that is, is you're putting a tattoo on your body of something that you really don't understand completely and, and don't even work to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. And then, um, you know, the, the whole idea behind just yoga in general, uh, it's just turned into a form of fitness. It's not really turned into the spiritual practice, the creation of mind, body, spirit into one being it's looked at it in the west especially here in america it's just something you do to exercise but that was definitely one of the first of that right speech about it in reference to it being taken to the olympics really i have that's a first that that's that's not yoga so I understand that we package yoga as the asana practice because that's kind of the only way to get Westerners to even try it. And once we try it and we realize there's more to this, I need to dive deeper into this. And we dive deep and we realize we've opened this huge can of worms, great worms, tasty worms. <laughs> like we have opened up this, this beautiful experience all because we tried the asana practice but unfortunately there's people out there who become certified yoga teachers and they go to and this is not on them this is just they go to a yoga studio and all they do is teach asana there's no pranayama there's no talk of the yamas or the niyamas there's no nobody teaches what pratyahara means there's barely any meditation right so they don't explain what samadhi is or om or you're not allowed to here you're not allowed to do the like here what was that the other limbs the other limbs right of ashtanga they only teach one i tell people you're only teaching one eighth of raja yoga you're only teaching one of the eightfold system like what right and and a lot of it is just because of they don't they don't really understand it or there's a fear that if they teach it people will not come back to the class yeah because then it becomes like a cult if it's not your religion if it's not a religion that you're born into right then 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 it's easily viewed or screwed as um that you are going to a cult yes spiritual element of something that you do not understand and that you wasn't born into right yeah like the opening and closing there is that fear there Mm -hmm. yes because i mean a lot of people don't realize that you're supposed to say an opening prayer before you start your practice and then a closing prayer and it's in sanskrit and and people don't realize that it it hasn't it doesn't say anything about your religion you need to convert into my religion it has nothing to do with that but because it's in a foreign language people get really intimidated and turned off by it and they think they're being converted into a cult and really it's just 
the teacher's just supposed to be setting the tone or the vibration for the class. And so that's some, something that happens, that tends to happen with cultural appropriation um, yeah. in the West. And then the next question I have, what are some things that we can do as yoga, Western yoga teachers to prevent cultural appropriation? One is, um, take um, Sanskrit, for instance, um, having these things translated into a language that people understand, or whether it's a strict translation or taking the essence of something mm-hmm. and, and making it into something that that person can understand, that class mm-hmm. that can understand, so that they can feel comfortable with it and and at home with it Mm -hmm. so that they can then do that thing coming from a pure place of their own heart and recognizing that it's not therefore um going against their faith and that's some and therefore that's something something we can do i don't it does kind of beg the argument when it's that cultural appropriation or or not when you take something and make it make it your own Sometimes it can be viewed, some people do view it as that. I've noticed, um, I've noticed it a lot with being a white person. They 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 call us colonizers if we do that, if we take something and kind of repackage it and make it our own, but it still has the essence of the originality of what it was. But the more we the more we move towards um, trying to translate it in a way that modern Western minds can understand, the more we get accused of being a colonizer or the more we get accused of being culturally uh, appropriation. Um, Let me you there. If that's the case, then Buddha Shakyamuni himself was a big colonialist. Yes. Yes. Buddha Shakyamuni said, "Do not accept something just because I say." Yes. Look within yourself and investigate it. Absolutely. And when he sent his disciples off to teach, he said, "Teach Dharma mm-hmm. in their language, mm-hmm. not in right. yours." And the same could be said about Christian faith as well, because. Um, like Jesus himself was uh, was a Jewish rabbi, according to historical fact, and he spoke Hebrew. Yeah, right. And the 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 you know the Amer- the um, Western the English Bible was translated from actually several different languages, and so yeah, we we deal with that with, but it's typically an accusation, a pointing a finger, a blame of. Right. And it's easy to point a finger of blame at somebody because they like instead of taking responsibility for our own selves and our own actions, it's so much easier to to point the finger and say, well, you're appropriating my culture. I really hear this from a lot of other um, Westerners. I really don't hear this a lot. I have I have several friends Indian friends who live in India and they have never once accused me of being uh, doing cultural appropriation if I'm translating a word in Sanskrit to English 
which I do, we do all the time. We actually say things that have meaning in Sanskrit. We just don't understand the language yet. So that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because if that, if that were true, then every religion would be considered cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah. I love that you brought that up. That's beautiful. Some of the things that, that I have been talking about is when I teach yoga, I'm not just teaching asana. So me just, me saying I'm teaching a meditation class, you're actually teaching a yoga class. Does that make sense? Because it falls under the umbrella of Ashtanga. One of the limbs. It's one of the limbs. So if you're teaching meditation, whether you're certified or not, you are a yoga teacher. You might be unconscious of the fact that you're a yoga teacher, but you're teaching yoga. If you're teaching somebody nonviolence, if you're teaching somebody ahimsa or your children ahimsa, you are in essence a yoga teacher already because you're teaching one of the first yamas. And so bringing that up to people, when I'm teaching things like Ayurvedic nutrition, I'm you know, that's a karma yoga kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm teaching just by talking to somebody, I'm teaching. I? You know so why this is? Huh? Why that, con- why that controversy is there? It's because people don't understand what the word means. Right. Say yoga without, it's like, it's like saying to a child, be patient. Yeah. We do yes. that a lot. I mean, the child's like, what the hell is that? What I'm yeah, what is that? What is feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and this is it. It's the same with the word yoga. We don't know what the word actual means. We mm-hmm. just say the word. Mm-hmm. And therefore, by you saying that, somebody, somebody's going to be watching this going, I'm not a yoga teacher just because I taught meditation. And it's because we need to always come back to the root. What does the word mean? Yes. And the word means union. Yes. It means unity. Yes. And that union is actually the unity between your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're bringing both of them to a point of, 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 of join, to mm-hmm. a point of meeting, to a point of melting, to, mm-hmm. to a point of, um, of them being um, synonymous, mm-hmm. that then you are then doing yoga. Yes. Moving yoga, guiding yoga, teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful i love it and then how can we as yoga teachers help make yoga more accessible to everyone without cultural sort of sort of so what's what i'm noticing is a trend in in particularly in america in the states is it's turning into a a fad uh, a trend for middle-class women middle-class particularly middle-class white women but and that's where the problem I see a lot of the um the problem with the yoga clothes is right but one of the problems is is that it's not available it's not accessible to everyone which is what true yoga is meant to be is meant to be accessible but in order to take a yoga class you have to have a lot of money to have a yoga studio membership. Right. Uh, so studio, studio memberships range from 70 to to $100 a month. 
Um, but for somebody who's a single, wow. or, yeah, it's very expensive. And then they go and, and have the audacity to give the, the yoga teacher only like 12 or $15 a class. Oh my gosh. Now I'm not talking about, there's nonprofits out there that I get, like, I get that. But there's the for-profit yoga studios who do that a lot. And um, $15 for an hour class is actually two hours worth of work because you have to show up early. You have to set up the class. You have to sequence the class because God forbid, if you do the same class over and over again, which you're supposed to do, um, so you have to create a whole new sequence every time. So that takes time. You have to show up early, set up, teach the class, stay behind, talk to your students, clean up. So that's at least two hours worth of work. And you're only, you're only, giving, you're only getting paid for one of those hours. And um, with the with the cost of living, even where I live, I, I live in a very inexpensive area. I live in Idaho. Um, even then I could not afford to pay my bills on that. And there, the, the excuse I've heard is, well, this isn't somebody's primary income for most of the teachers here. This is just for fun. <laughs> this is just for fun. Uh, like, this is a lifestyle. It is. is. And the thing is, is that it's got, a, it's got, a, it's got an age limit on it as well. Right. Because when you're teaching yoga, we are going asana yoga. This is. Yes, we we going beyond our own body bodily needs, mm-hmm. and therefore things like burnout happens to yoga teachers. Yes, yes, it's happened to me. To practice once a day, mm-hmm. and if you're teaching four classes a day, you are over exercising. Yes, yeah. I I got my first burnout back in as I said, I came back, started teaching in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that my first trip? Yeah, yeah. Started teaching in the year two thousand. I was burnt out by two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. I had to country and go on another trip because I was burnt out mm-hmm. from yoga. For yes, two. yeah, yeah. And, um, and that is because um, I did this test, and the test proves that I was over exercising. Mm-hmm. I was over activity over, over my steps per day I was just I was over everything yeah, yeah. yes and then when you get to a point like that we then have to then reteach we have to relearn something we have to relearn in a therapeutic modality we have mm-hmm. to learn another form of um of yoga that our health needs at that time mm-hmm. so so we need this um we need to be paid more so that we can actually do the next training that we need to do to get better and well and then go out and work again so um yeah I can't believe those prices and it's not that those prices are that much different in the UK but it is more what you just said Uh that makes it um not not you know not viable for somebody who's not at that income someone who's not um working in a huge corporation right kind of money Right. So what I would advise is what you and I are both trying to do is like grow our YouTube channels. I would I would advise that you find um a bunch, I would say no more than three. Start with one. Mm-hmm. We'll start with three and then go down to one because you've got to like look around to find somebody who kind of speaks to your heart mm-hmm. um, on YouTube and then invest in them you know you pay them what you can 
Um, but you know, it's important that if people don't know the power of subscribing on YouTube. Right. You know, I was just going to say that. You need to subscribe and you need subscribe. to click the bell. And the reason why is that after a period of time, as our subscribe numbers go up, we actually get paid. We actually are then allowed to monetize that channel and get paid. Yes. But for hundreds of hours that we put in before we get to that, that, that subscribe number so that we can actually begin to monetize our channel. Mm -hmm. That is what we need people to do. We need people to subscribe so that we can get to that point. Yes. Now, I know what people are thinking because, you know, I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's like notifications. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be notified. I don't want, want my phone going off when I'm trying to sleep, this, that, and the other. Why mm -hmm. just switchly make that notification silent? You right on your phone I mean I've subscribed to loads of channel I've never been pinged by mm -hmm. YouTube never ever 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 yeah. automatically have their settings to silent right and you just once you go into the app then you'll see the notifications within the app yeah if you want to if yeah. somehow you're you've got a different phone that doesn't make um YouTube make your notification silent then you go to your settings mm -hmm. find YouTube um, keep the notifications on. Just press silent so it only comes up as a as a as a, a banner across your phone. Sound, mm -hmm. but I've yeah. never heard my phone get pinged by by right. a, a notification from right. YouTube. I don't do that. YouTube is that's definitely a great way for us to make it more accessible to everybody. Um, but then, so what what tends to happen is some people will get overwhelmed because there's such a plethora of information out there in YouTube. So one thing, one thing that I'm trying to do with DRock Wellness personally is turn um, basic beginner yoga into like an e-course or an app for, and it's very affordable and easy and easily accessible to everybody. Uh, because unfortunately, if you say you do find that yoga studio and you sign up for that yoga class, what tends to happen is beginners get turned off by the the class itself because it's so it's teaching at such a very advanced rate, and people don't understand that all you really need, all you really truly need, is Surya Namaskara. For asana practice you don't need all these fancy poses in the beginning those are those are fun they're nice to do and they're great to open areas of energy blockages and and tightness and muscular tightness those are great but to practice traditional yogis every day would just practice pranayama surya namaskara and meditation they don't you want to just like briefly describe what Surya Namaskara is? So Surya, oh, yes, thank you for bringing that. Surya Namaskara is sun salutations. So the basically the beginning of a yoga class, typically a yoga asana class, typically will start with the, the Surya Namaskaras, the sun salutations. And it's a very set sequence of movements. And they, they change based off of the lineage so that teacher is coming from so there's hatha yoga so their surya namaskara is a bit different and then in ashtanga there's a and b right 
and so ultimately people aren't getting enough of a breakdown of that that basic set of postures that can be so beneficial why not teach just those to people and break those down as a beginner course so that if they don't do go to yoga studio or a gym they're not so intimidated by the rest of the class because once you perfect sun salutations or surya namaskar once you perfect those then the other postures kind of come naturally almost sometimes not for people for people who can I add, go ahead can i add two things to that sure yes please they're like i like um this is an old way of when i always had to um, explain what it is so one will breathe in and in that in-breath, you're moving from A to B. And then you breathe out and then move from B to C. And then you breathe in and move from C to D. Breathe out and move from D and D to E. And then breathe in, E to F. And that's mm -hmm. how you, because your finger's going like this. I just wanted to sort of like explain that is what somebody is doing in that sequence of that flow. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing is that I always say that there is um just make it more accessible there is a yoga for everybody yes. so just how I had to find my journey to the point that I found ashtanga and went yeah this is for me which mm -hmm. now I completely dislike ashtanga and I don't go anywhere near it yeah the sequence but, is it's a bit tough sometimes yeah because the body changes and yes. I have so in that same breath is that there is a style of yoga for everybody absolutely it, it's just finding the style, mm -hmm. which might sound like they have like really funny names, but it's finding the right style for you. Right. You are a high intense um, energy and and um, you've got a short attention span. Mm -hmm. There's a practice that is dynamic mm -hmm. in you. Right. If you're a person, um, you would actually explain this really well in reference to the vita and the bitter and the and the. And I the was just going to bring up Ayurveda. My intention yeah. was to turn because because of the different Surya Namaskars was to turn each one of them into vata, pitta, kapha. Do yes. this if you're a pitta person. If you're feeling kapha, if you're feeling vata, because there those different Surya Namaskaras are for those different so like b uh, uh surya namaskara b in ashtanga that's really good for somebody who has a kapha body style or somebody who's feeling kapha in their mind body pitta would be a right and for like the shivananda's surya namaskara the hatha version that would be something for vata because it's very slow and okay. mellow right okay. And so, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring up the fact that I, I will be teaching Ayurveda with that to, so to like, tell people. That, that, um, moving totally away from something that was that dynamic because I was of that age. Mm -hmm. I only practice yin yoga. And I, I only practice um, um, restorative yoga. Right. And, and nidra yoga, sleep yoga. So mm -hmm. those are yogas I practice mm -hmm. and I practice those because of um energy being low um injuries um menopause mm -hmm. um, 
all these different bodily changes that are going on that that makes me yield into needing and wanting to slow down and nourish and 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 fill my cup up mm -hmm. and those are the type of styles of yoga that yoga that do that so yes. yeah there is always a yoga for somebody meeting you where you're at and if you just get a breakdown description of all the different schools of yoga all the different st styles of yoga i say schools i meant styles of yoga mm -hmm. you'll be able to find one that is just perfect for you absolutely i agree 100 percent. and then my last question has yoga changed your life and in what way um yeah i mean you know it got me from from um being just from being disabled not being able to leap through the air anymore to being able to, to stand on my head uh -huh. um, it's enabled me to to travel travel the world and get a job and teach wherever i go um it's enabled me to um heal and as well as give back to people it's so a part of me now I, I i wouldn't know anything anything else besides what i do now it's been within my array of gifts for for over 25 years yes beautiful okay well thank you so much for joining us today Dion, you've been amazing. This interview is really great. I can't wait to share it with the world. Um, for those of you who are watching, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that, that bell button to help us out. And we'll be seeing you again really soon. Mm -hmm.